of your head? Who taught you to hate the color of your skin? We are exploited. We are downtrodden. We are denied not only civil rights, but even human rights. So the only way we're going to get some of this oppression and exploitation away from us or aside from us is come together against the common enemy. All right, all right. Welcome back to Pull the Pin. I am your host, Kevin Ijoma, and uh, we are brought to you by the good folks at What You Expect. That's W-Y-E-X-P-E-C-T dot com. And thank you, all my listeners, for joining me uh, for this momentous episode. I think we know why it's momentous, right? All right. <laughs> yep, we did it, y'all. We did it. Uh, it's over. We got Donald Trump up out the paint. Well, at least we will get Donald Trump up out the paint come January 20th, because that's right. Joseph Robinette Biden will be the 46th president of the United States of America after being declared the winner of this election uh, by every major media organization Saturday noon Eastern after he took Pennsylvania. Now, things have been trending for Biden the last few days. So so Saturday was actually a bit expected. We were just like, you know, watching the news, like when are they gonna call this shit? When are they gonna call it? But Tuesday night, <laughs> boy, the, the lemon booty was out in full force. I'll say that. Because the nature of the election, uh, just with COVID and everything else going on, a lot of Democrats decided to vote by mail. And why? while a lot of Republicans, mostly at the urging of Donald Trump, eschewed casting a ballot by mail in favor of voting in person on election day. And in most states, those votes got counted first. So what that resulted in was the oft-mentioned um, and tiresome phrase of red mirage, red mirage. I kept hearing that, red mirage. And what, what is that? That is the appearance that Donald Trump and the Republican Party were out to an early and commanding lead in a number of crucial states, such as Pennsylvania, um, Michigan, Wisconsin, Virginia. Ooh, Virginia looked crazy. And I'm telling you, my timeline was full of people on the ledge, full of people. And I had to even wade into it. I was trying to stay off of social media, but I had to come in and be like, hey, y'all, let's just chill out and wait until the mail-in ballots get counted. All right, chill. No one knows how to hyperventilate like a liberal. All right, I'm telling you. But, but note what happened was, unlike Florida, those states and their Republican legislatures actually just put rules in place to actually wait until after election day to start counting in mail-in ballots. Now, this was obviously a ploy to give Donald Trump the opening to claim an early victory, in which he did, like a little bitch. And with claiming that early victory, he would somehow claim that the mail-in ballots, the, 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 the ballots that were counted after election day were somehow invalid, which is a farce when you think about it. That means that the pre a sitting president of the United States of America, what's supposed to be the preeminent democracy in the world, it's not, but what it's supposed to be, is actually arguing and proposing that we stop counting ballots simply because he's in the lead. Because they still wanted ballots counted in Arizona. I, 
Don't forget that part. That's the ridiculousness of, of it all. But the shit was wild, y'all. It was wild. Um, and for those who woke up Wednesday, um, Wednesday morning, we peeped that the thing was moving a whole other way. It turned out um, Tuesday night, major Democratic strongholds had not been counted. We talking Philly, Detroit, Atlanta. I they all had votes being counted, as well as Las Vegas, where you know there's a lot of Hispanics there too. So I started doing the math. I started doing the math and. At that point, I could understand why Donald Trump was already freaking out. He was about to lose. So, Saturday comes, um, Biden ends up taking Pennsylvania to go along with Wisconsin and and Michigan. Um, All Midwestern states Obama had carried for eight years and Hillary lost. Uh, And then Biden also flipped Arizona and Georgia. Uh, Georgia, presumably at the time of this recording, hopefully they'll... They'll be uh, they'll be calling it soon, um, but flipping Georgia will be the first time a Democrat's done so since 1992. And for Arizona, I don't even remember the last time a, uh, a Democrat won Arizona because that's a Republican, that's a Republican spot. Like John McCain, like think of like you know that's a Republican spot. But that's the power of Donald Trump, baby. You know while the election was no way as decisive as Democrats would have liked, I'm sure. Let's not get confused and let the narrative start getting out of hand. And I already see a few um, that I would like to address and knock down now. All right. So over the next few days, you're going to be hearing from pundits trying to make sense of what is presumed to be a close race, because the states that ultimately did it for Biden, by and large, were won by, you know, say tens of thousands of votes, if not hundreds of thousands of votes in the case of Michigan. But listen, don't fall for the okie doke. And here's why. First, the media and pollsters would have you believe that Biden was going to win by 10 percentage points and rack up 400 or more or um, or more electoral votes. And the idea of that happening was just patently ridiculous. Donald Trump was the, the um, is was the incumbent. He has the power of the presidency behind him. And with such prevailing data, there was a real chance that folks would see it, would see that um, those poll numbers and think it was going to be a landslide. Like, eh, fuck it. I'll just stay home. Y'all got this. And Fox News knew this, right? They were, they were some of the first people to publish polls that were unfavorable to Trump. Uh, and the backhanded objective of it was suppressing the Democrats. And in doing so, they'd also be riling up his base to come out and support him because, hey, we got to fight. He's losing. We need you. So naturally, the race was always going to be closer than the poll suggested. And it's just the Republicans playing the lose. Right. So they, they, they were lowering expectations for themselves. At the same time, they were ginning up their base. So in the places where they won, they won. In the places where they they lost but didn't lose by as much as they said they'd lose, they get to say, hey, Democrats, why didn't you beat us worse if you guys are so high and mighty? So there's that. Next, the votes are still being counted, right? (laughs) Even as of today, Sunday, the votes are still being counted and... the race was called yesterday, 
with Biden having a 4.5 million vote lead in the popular vote, with roughly 10 million votes nationwide yet to be counted. When this is all said and done, Joe Biden, who's already has, has the most votes in our nation's history, will probably have racked up north of 7 million votes more than Donald Trump. That's an astounding rebuke of an incumbent president. Instead, Democrats, liberals, progressives are here, are, are over here uh, feeling sorry for themselves. And I'm hearing a lot of Democrats on TV lamenting the fact that Donald Trump got more votes than he did last time. And I mean, goddamn, of course he did. He's been the president for four years. There's a reason why we rarely ever see one term presidents. It just doesn't happen because he has the power of the presidency behind him. There were white people who stayed home in 2016, too. Trump was always poised to, poised to rack up more votes than he did last time as more and more people, um, for better or for worse, got pulled into our divided and intense political environment. That's just the, the nature of the game. So more to that point of Donald Trump uh, uh, beating out low expectations, news organizations are really trying to blame black and Latino folks for Trump expanding his vote within those communities. It's crazy, you know, and the bar was set so low in the first place. It's like, why are we even talking about this? But the New York Times of all news organizations um, are, are falling for this shit. Uh, they took data from the election from the election day to make extrapolations about the Latino and black vote going up for Donald Trump that they just didn't have the right to make. Fox News and Bill Maher have since ran with this theory, completely ignoring key inconvenient facts that show how lazy the take is. And don't get me started on Bill Maher, man. He's supposed to be a Democrat. Is he a liberal? <laughs> Whatever. Anyway. Before I even get into how lazy the take is, let's acknowledge first that the take is wrong. Again, when it's all said and done, Latinos are going to be are going to be thought of as delivering Arizona, Nevada, and Georgia to to, to, to Joe Biden. Georgia in in conjunction with black folk, of course. So let's get that out the way. But as far as the early exit polls went, as I mentioned earlier. Election day in-person votes, the votes that are counted first, lean heavily towards Trump. So, of course, exit polls of blacks and Latino people may have been at a slightly higher number than where we are used to. It's poor sampling. <laughs> Not to mention, we all know, and the New York Times knows better, Bill Maher knows better, that the heavily Democratic and Black communities in Atlanta, Detroit, Flint, Michigan, Philly, elsewhere, um, even Newark, shit, we called New Jersey for Joe Biden when Newark hadn't even gotten counted yet. So by Thursday, most of the votes that are outstanding are coming in from mail-in ballots in Democratic cities, places with a way higher percentage of minorities and way higher enthusiasm for Joe Biden. We're talking about nine to one. It's lazy. Just like after the, 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 the election in 2016, the media quickly put together a narrative of this, quote unquote, the forgotten white man of the Midwest striking back because they lost their jobs. And you got to love this phrase, economic anxiety. 
<laughs> now, they are already cultivating the narrative that suggests Donald Trump's racism and xenophobia wasn't as harmful as we thought it was. Um, you know, insinuating that it didn't repel black voters and black voters like, you know, voted for Donald Trump, even though he was a racist, you know, which I think is disrespectful and insulting the black folks. And not only is it too early to make such declarations, it's just a lazy take. Speaking of lazy takes, the narrative of the Latino monolith is frustrating as hell. And even I may be guilty of participating in the school of thought for the sake of discourse, but Ultimately, Hispanics and Latino, the term, is, create, is created by American whites. Uh, the Hispanic and Latino populations in this country come from countries in South and Central America where classism, sexism, and most importantly, racism still exists and is rampant. White Mexicans, Venezuelans, and Cubans live their entire lives as white people and then come here to America and boom. They're brown, they're minorities, right? And sometimes we even include Spanish Spanish, Spain Spanish in this grouping as well. And that's just stupid and lazy. Your name ending in Z doesn't automatically mean you will identify with the struggle of people of color. It just doesn't. And for the most part, they don't. Cubans don't see themselves when Trump locks babies in cages. Shit, some Mexicans here don't don't see themselves when Trump locks babies in cages. Latinos are diverse. Many of them identify with whiteness and anti-blackness, just like the rest of them. Some of them are anti-immigration too. <laughs> Much like how I'm sure white people who descend from immigrants find themselves now being anti-immigration too. Ken Cuccinelli, I'm talking to you. Right. So everyone just pump the brakes, pump the brakes. We know Biden won, but it will be weeks, if not months, until we get an idea of what the exit polls really tell us. And I think what they're going to tell us is contrary to my worst concerns. Right. And my worst concern was that black men would fumble the bag and it doesn't look like they did. If Trump got 20 percent of the initial election day vote on black men, which would be an, uh, an improvement, um, then it's it's fair to consider that the mail-in votes in a black city like Philly was split 90, 9 and 10. I mean, 9 and 1, nine and one excuse me, uh, for, for Joe Biden. So how the fuck does the New York Times or Fox or any outlet feel confident enough to call the race for Joe Biden, but to call black men out on their turnout when we don't even... We don't even know. Atlanta, Detroit, Flint, Philly, they delivered us the White House. And we weren't going to do that without people of color. It just seems like everyone is in a big rush to give Trump's treatment or rhetoric towards people of color some sort of validation. And, and for what? Because he improved a percentage point or two with black people? Bitch, please. Like I said, when this is all said and done, I ain't going to beat y'all over the head with that phrase, but when this is all said and done, Biden is going to have close to a six or seven million vote lead on Donald Trump. 
whereas he's at roughly 4, 4, 4.6 right now. There's an estimated 8 to 10 million votes still outstanding, with Biden expected to stretch his lead in another 2 or 3 million. If he did so, he'd be doing so with largely the votes of people of color. So let's pause and let's see where all these numbers shake out, because something tells me numbers will be telling us a much different story of how Joe Biden won the presidency. Let's pull the pen. So, Joe Biden is president. <laughs> now what? Well, while we have to wait until the 20th of January to actually see what that looks like, uh, the, tra the transition has presumably started. So I wanted to take a little moment to go over what Joe Biden's agenda actually looks like. While we know Democrats love to talk policy and plans, I'm not sure anyone vote who voted for Biden um, voted because of policy. Most folks were just trying to get Trump to get gone. And now that that's done, it's time for everyone to shift the focus to what the next four years is actually gonna be. Now, the Biden and Harris camp has already announced that they'll be introducing a new coronavirus task force as soon as Monday. Because the current administration is leading so little in this regard, this may actually be an area Biden and Harris can actually step into and immediately have some, some influence. It's not like the Trump administration is meeting with these people anyway. Now, as far as legislation goes, um, I think it's critical to look at the Senate. All right. The majority is looking to hold, at least at the moment, with the Georgia races between Raphael Warnock and Kelly Leffler and uh, John Ossoff and um, David Perdue, they're going to a runoff. Um, and that means that neither candidate was able to get more than 50%, okay? And unless Democrats are able to win those in which we can get it to 50-50, I believe, with, with Kamala Harris being the tiebreaker, uh, Mitch McConnell is poised to be a major fucking roadblock uh, as per usual, all right? And there is some optimism, I hear, um, in some corners, that McConnell and Biden, with their history in the Senate together, um, might be able to uh, help mitigate the fuckery McConnell is certain to um, is certain to try to pull off. Nonetheless, the Democrats' inability to flip the Senate is going to seriously harm Joe Biden's ability to, to be an effective legislator and president president overall. Uh, McConnell has signaled interest in working on a corona, um, coronavirus relief bill after the election. And now that he's unburdened with the election, it's entirely possible McConnell and Senate Republicans might be willing to play ball on this. Now, as for Medicare for all, expanding the court, uh, federal minimum wage, a Green New Deal, um, cleaner energy, of any other land, landmark progressive legislation, it's probably going to be dead on arrival or at least tabled until 2022 when the Democrats have another shot at taking a majority. But with the record number of infections, um, that's COVID, uh, this past week being drowned out because of the election, 
the biggest issue of 2021 remains undoubtedly COVID and the associated depression that many Wall Street firms like the one I work for, um, they're forecasting such things. So uh, uh, Biden, Biden winning the election really didn't change much on that front and what the forecast is looking like. However, we can expect Biden to leverage and mobilize the power of the presidency much better than Donald Trump did so that the nation will be better prepared. This assumption is partly why those firms predicted a higher number in GDP growth with a Biden win. Now, if Donald Trump did anything good for black people, it was that he took that stupid ass meeting with Ice Cube. <laughs> and, uh, and and after he took that stupid ass meeting with Ice Cube, they presented uh, that pandering mess that was the, plant, the platinum plan. Now, while the plan was wildly underwhelming and was clearly unveiled without any comprehensive thought or fleshing out, what it did do <laughs> was destigmatize packaging legislation directed at a particular race, uh, racial group. Now, if Obama ever, ever, ever attempted to give us a platinum plan, Fox, Rush Limbaugh, uh, Hannity, all those motherfuckers, they would have lost their fucking mind. Lost it. I, ironically, in an awkward attempt to bolster Trump's standing and perception amongst black folk, uh, Fox and the conservative media actually covered Trump quite favorably for reaching out to blacks. And while I say this knowing damn well conservatives have no problem and no shame when it comes to looking like hypocritical frauds, uh, this should, should, quote unquote, um, fingers crossed, allow Joe Biden to repay black people for delivering him the White House without dealing with the stigma of cra crafting legislation for a particular racial group, um, avoiding the pushback that has weakened affirmative action over the years. All right, y'all, now for some key election takeaways. I, this is what I like to call some, some helpful nuggets. All right, I, I really just wanna get my takes off on some of the things that I noticed over this year's election cycle. Now, first, a lot of people are gonna make a big deal about Trump's performance in South Florida. He did much better this time around, and the assumption is that it was Cubans that helped put him over the top in Florida. If this turns out to be the case, a lot of folks, and I mean a lot of folks, are going to excuse Cubans with the whole Democrats remind them of socialism argument. And 2020 is when that argument dies. Cubans have to admit that they value whiteness, white privilege, and supremacy more than their fear for so-called racism. Trump has and continues to be America's closest facsimile of an, of an authoritarian dictator. He's cut from the same cloths as Noriega, um, Castro, and you name it. He has sought to divide, he has gassed peaceful protesters, and he's attempting to cast doubt on a free and fair election so he can keep his grip on power. At this moment, as I re record this podcast, Trump and his acolytes are actually trying to organize a coup, persuading electors in red states to ignore the popular vote and vote for Trump. 
he is calling for votes to stop being counted. All things that actually assault democracy and threaten our freedom. To come out and vote for that candidate in such convincing numbers demonstrates Cubans of South Florida aren't so concerned with socialism or, uh, or a lack of freedom as, as they are with preserving their freedom and wealth. Everyone else be damned. Trump did more than put socialism on the ballot. He put race on the ballot. And when we look back at this election and we, and we will see that that is why Cubans move towards Trump. Not, not out of a fear of a country moving towards socialism. Now on to other game notes. <laughs> um, I can't help but shake the memory of John McCain and John Lewis as I watch this election. And I'll explain to you why. Uh, it's, it's no secret that Donald Trump had an antagonistic relationship at best when it came to John McCain and, and John Lewis. And when John McCain was alive, um, he, uh, Donald Trump was constantly calling into question uh, McCain's sacrifices and the reverence he received as a former POW during the Vietnam War, the same war that Donald Trump um, used a medical waiver to get out of, claiming he had bone spurs. <laughs> Even after McCain passed, Donald Trump could never let the beef go. His campaign actually urged him several times to meet with Cindy McCain, John's wife, and Trump refused. Uh, he oftentimes resisted uh, campaigning out in Arizona because Donald Trump valued so much sleeping in his own bed. And Arizona, I guess, was just way too far, right? So... At the time of this recording, Arizona is still too close to call for most media outlets. But the AP and Fox have both called it for Joe Biden. And if that holds, it's hard to it's hard not to imagine John McCain is getting the last laugh somewhere. Um, er, the early exit polls suggest 87 percent of Republicans voted for for um, for Donald Trump in Arizona. A high number, but um, definitely a departure from what they expected. That that 13 percent defection was possibly and probably in part to Cindy's endorsement of Biden's just days before the election. Almost a fitting end to Trump's prospects of a second term, with the McCains ultimately dooming him. Now on the other coast, Donald Trump will be the first Republican to lose Georgia since George H.W. Bush in 1992 when he lost to Bill Clinton. Okay, and when you count the votes, the county that probably delivered Joe Biden his victory in Georgia would be Clayton County. Okay, the turnout was incredible. Um, the percentage of the vote that Joe Biden got was absurd. And it turns out Clayton County is the home county of the late John Lewis. Huh. Now, John Lewis is a civil rights legend in his own right. And I, I dedicated an earlier episode this year to John Lewis. Um, he famously bought, boycotted Trump's inauguration, and Trump never let it go. Uh, Trump ended up foregoing uh, Lewis's funeral and resisted lowering flags to half-mast, much like he had done previously with John McCain. Seems like we're starting to see a pattern here. <laughs> Just like McCain, John Lewis's home state and districts gave was probably the strongest rebuke of Donald Trump's presidency yet almost certainly being the reason Georgia will turn blue 
and end up voting for Biden convincingly. Now, I don't know. I thought it was an interesting plot point to consider um, that, you know, Trump's inability to apologize or be a bigger person may have ultimately doomed his presidency. (laughs) Delicious. The last takeaway I want to explore is the state of play in America moving forward for the Democratic Party, as I already see infighting brewing. Now, this is typical for any party in power, so I don't want us to even really trip about it, but it's worth taking a closer look at. And the closer I look, uh, the more evident it is to me that there are a number of competing realities facing Democrats. Biden's victory at this point can can signal um, a couple different things to the Democratic Party, and I want to talk about them. Now, on one hand, Trump gaining votes, um, even though it dismisses the fact that he's a turnout machine, uh, and Biden's centrist campaign theme actually appearing to have worked in the flip in flipping the industrial Midwest back to blue, one can surmise that much of the country is in the center and um, leaning very much moderate. Uh, for that reason, you're you're probably already hearing folks within and outside the party blaming the progressive left for the underwhelming performance um, down ballot. Now, uh, a couple things. Initially, I was thinking the same thing, and then cooler has prevailed. All right, I can also see the conservative, uh, 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 you know, value, okay, or the interest in conservative media in drumming up this narrative, but the, the, the results don't actually back it up. Every House representative that signed on or supported the Medicare for All bill that was introduced in the House won their race, okay? The squad... Uh, AOC, Ilhan Omar, uh, Rashida Tlaib, uh, Ayanna Presley, they all won theirs as well. And those that did lose, like Connor Lamb, um, they lost in Trump districts that they had recently flipped in 2018. These are, these are moderate districts that are going to swing back and forth anyway. Okay, And what's more, a lot of those candidates, uh, excuse me, a lot of those candidates that have flipped those districts um, we're trying to keep them by trying to play two, two sides very closely out of fear of losing their seat. And what they did was appear to, was appeal to no one. OK, it's, it's just convenient to point to someone losing and fitting the narrative or agenda that you want to be pushed to explain that loss. But it's just not supported by the results. Now, on the flip side. Progressives were hand wringing for much of the campaign, arguing that Biden unlike Bernie Sanders, wasn't far left enough. Liberals would share this, um, you know, is this your king memes? And um, they would always have these clips of Biden, like denouncing looting and rioters, which was was fucking smart, by the way. All right. Now, I got my ass ripped into um, pause. Um, I got my ass ripped into on on, on Twitter because I said, hey, like, y'all think we should be, uh, you know, doing this in election year? We're trying to win an election. Right, everybody's out here like justifying the loot. I'm like, yo, man, like protesting and wilding out and being mad. Um, yeah, but like, there's nothing y'all gonna tell me or tell a lot of people that vote in America, um, black people included, right? That running up in Walmart or Target or setting shit on, um, setting businesses on fire is 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 right. So I think Biden was actually able to split that hair better than some of the people down ballot were. 
Okay, and by doing that, Biden was able to win back Michigan, Wisconsin, and PA by appealing to those moderate working class, black, and increasingly white voters. And those are the backbone of the of the backbone, excuse me, of the party in the states that Democrats have to win to win elections. That's just a fact of the matter. We're not going to win an election without Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. Okay, actually, we might if we can put bring Georgia and Arizona into the fold, but you know, leave that for later. All right, now, while the far left uh, still energizes the party and honestly funds the party, uh, the, rea the reliable voters are the moderates. They are. And it's, it's important that the loud minority of the Democratic parties just slows their road just a little bit so we can win some elections because ultimately none of the arguments we're having in party mat matters if we don't have power. Now, black voters aren't that liberal, okay? Like, they're just, we're just not. And we aren't one-issue voters either. So I hope those two facts for both the progressive wing and the, cons and the, um, the more conservative, moderate side of the, of the Democratic Party will internalize those move more moving forward so we can actually make some, some, um, some real and lasting gains in some of those states that we need to win. Now, personally, I hope the Democratic, the Democratic Party takes from this election that winning the presidential race isn't the end of the story. The real power lies locally. And all the court challenges, judge appointees, and the hypothetical election-stealing scenarios that we were floating out there um, prior to the election because we were so fucking scared uh, just reinforces that fact again and again and again. A massive re-education campaign must be implemented and disseminated to the Democratic voting populace so that voters understand the importance of off-year elections. Okay, the energy to capture, uh, the energy that we capture to oust Donald Trump is the energy needed for every election, special election, runoff, you name it. Simply put, the Democrats' victory this November would have been even more resounding if the laws and rules designed and put in place by Republican state, state legislatures didn't tip the scales before voting even began. If we don't do something about the down ballot, we'll, we're going to be right back here again. And next time, next time, guys, the demagogue is going to be smarter more tactile and more effective than Donald Trump ever dreamed of being. Congratulations, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris for being the 46th president and 49th vice president of the United States of America. And with that, I bring this week's episode to a close. Thank you so much for listening to Pull the Pin with your host, Kevin E. Joma. We try to do this for as often as we can whenever I can make a little time to, to get back here and talk to y'all a little bit. But whenever I sit behind this mic, you know I'm being brought to you by what you expect. That's W-Y-E-X-P-E-C-T dot com. Visit us for everything culture, music, politics, sports, you name it. We got it. We follow it. We cover it. Special shout out to all the folks 
that voted this November. I, I was telling y'all um, to vote this November like your life depended on it. Because it did. So we did. And we won. See how that feels? Now let's go do it again. And again. And again. Peace.